This is the Forge Ministry Podcast. The Forge Ministry began in 2022 with the purpose and burden of shaping, strengthening, and sharpening men for the ministry. Welcome to the Forge. Hello, thank you for listening. This is Brother Aaron, and you're listening to the Forge Ministry Podcast. And on the line today is a friend, somebody that the Lord's put me in contact with, and we have kind of a similar heartbeat for mentorship, and that is Brother Micah McCurry. He's the director of Bible Tracks Incorporated in uh, the Dwight Bloomington, Illinois metropolis area. Um, And Brother Micah, it's good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, We do have to correct, I don't think there's anything metropolis about Dwight, Uh, but (laughs) all I can say, I do appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast today. Well, in the interest of full disclosure, when when the Lord kind of put this idea in my heart, Brother Micah and I didn't really know each other. We I wouldn't have maybe considered us friends, maybe acquaintances. And through the process of a friend, we were able to get in contact, and we began talking about this idea. And it turned out it was kind of a, a mutual passion. And I wanted Brother Micah to come on for two reasons. Number one, because he was instrumental in starting this and number two because brother micah is going to be creating some content in the future and helping with he's already helped with a conference that we've had going to be helping to host others and to uh, just create content for the forge ministry so brother micah i thought we would just start with kind of a little bit of maybe just sharing our hearts as young men about the genesis of this podcast why why we have it and what really is the why to us of the importance of mentorship? So maybe just give us, you know, a brief, um, you know, look at, you know, for you. And maybe, you know, we won't get into all of our background and where we're from and everything like that. But why for you was the, is this such a passion and something that's near and dear to your heart? Absolutely. You know, as you were talking, uh, just kind of parenthetically, just a statement you made about how, joint interests, you know, the, tra- the the companions that you acquire along the way and how we were kind of acquaintances and became friends and, and battle buddies in this endeavor. Uh, I heard it said by a wiser man than I, that direction determines destination. But, that is, and while it's very true, it also determines who your travel companions are as well. Correct. And the people on the road with you. And I'm thankful, in, not to get dive into this aspect too quickly, but in reality, that's a large portion of the burden for uh, mentorship that I have. I've been blessed with some phenomenal mentors. I've been blessed with some people that I could call and discuss literally anything pertaining to family, a ministry, personal weaknesses, uh, things I'm struggling with, uh, need, need for wisdom, and et cetera, et cetera. And looking out of the landscape, the amount of young men, that apparently bemoan their lack of mentors. And then at the same time, I see men of a previous generation bemoaning the, uh, the lack, the landscape, the, the dearth of young men to invest in. And right. I'm thinking, well, over here, I'm talking to young men that need mentors. And I'm talking to older men and men that I would consider uh, well worth their, 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 you know, the weight in gold and guys that, I would want investing in me, and if we could just get these two guys, these two generations to meet, uh, I believe some great things could happen specifically for the cause of Christ. 
And so not every burden is a calling. And I realize that. Um, but I also look at the opportunities that God has given me and the few, the few and far between strengths that have been given. And one of those is being in evangelism, the opportunity to meet a lot of guys. And through that, the opportunity, hopefully, to be uh, with Brother Harris and with other folks, a little bit of a lightning rod, a little connector uh, for the generations. I, I take legacy very seriously, uh, but I'm also blessed with some men within their wisdom have, that have been wise enough to uh, help and guide the energy of youth um, coming up behind them. And so uh, that's maybe just a, a long uh, version, but it's, it's most certainly important in my heart. Well, I, I would agree to those sentiments, and one of the things that I, I will chime in with and agree is that there, I do believe as, you know, in a short time as a pastor, there is a bit of a generational gap, I think, in our churches today um, that you, you don't really see that as a pattern in the Bible. Um, I think you can go to the book of Titus and you can see, you know, the younger learning from the elder and the elder being willing to teach the younger. And there's, there's really no general, generational gap that you see within the church, but there's a tendency today for us to maybe be a bit more segmented and a bit more disconnected from one another than we should be. And that's kind of, I, I think, the reason why. And, and I would agree with you, Brother Micah, that I know that I am really the product of several very good men and their investment in me. It's not like any of this, you know, any, anything that's, that I've come up with has just been my own creation. I think we all, to some degree, ride on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, and that needs to be acknowledged. And I think that's a biblical principle. And, and when we decide to farm out our duty of mentorship to another institution or to, you know, somebody on YouTube or somebody's book, I think we do a disservice to the ministry as a whole. That's, a, that's at least my view and, and why I think it's so important because I know what it has meant to me. You're, you're exactly right. And to that point about farming it out, um, we're really big on personal responsibility, or at least we act like it. Uh, right. We talk about the autonomy of the local church, and we talk about how we are local churchmen. Well, I, I say a resounding amen. We talk about the priesthood of the believer and the fact that we will stand before God for ourselves and that we also have direct access to God. We don't have to go through a priest and all of that. But when it comes to some of these concepts of mentorship, we feel like there's, you know, there's only for in some camps or circles, what do you want to call that? I mean, there are some that would say, yeah, there's only four or five guys in our group that can, that can properly, uh, effectively mentor people. And to that, I would say hogwash. I would say every man should be looking for Timothy and at the same time should be looking for a Paul. And I don't think there's any any time frame that we should stop learning. And yes, there will come a time when some men have are seasoned enough, mature enough, and have the experience um, that their Timothys have all passed on. And uh, to those men, I, I tip my cap for their continued faithfulness. Um, and so I, mean, I guess at that point, maybe you're only kind of looking in one direction. But at the same time, I believe there's great personal responsibility that we have to be invested in and to invest in the next generation. I, I agree. And I think it was uh, I think it was Charles Barkley famously made a quote one time and said, I'm not a role model. Don't don't look at me and pattern your life after me. I'm not a role model. Mm. The unfortunate thing is we don't get to choose 
whether or not we are. Um, right. Generally, we're leading somebody whether we like it or not, and so that's why our testimonies are important in our adherence to the Word of God and you know thing, things that are obvious like that. But when it, I do believe when it comes to the ministry, the the pattern that you know you mentioned Paul and you mentioned Timothy, which are probably famously the most glaring example of this outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and his investment into twelve men. Um, that's that's what you see the pattern in the New Testament church, but you also see this as a pattern in the Old Testament. And I think one of the one of the things that Paul told Timothy that I like in in the book of Second Timothy one, in verse number thirteen, he tells him to hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me. Um, if and of course we you know if you studied your Bible you know on this topic you know Second Timothy two two. Uh, the things that thou hast learned of me, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. There's a personal passing down of sound doctrine and sound words that that has to be continued in perpetuity for things to continue the way that it always has. And part of what we see in America right now is the breakdown of that. When we're not passing right. down the actual truths and the values and the disciplines and the, the heritage, you see the whole thing kind of fall apart, and it's true about Bible doctrines or ministry. It's, you know, we start, you know, when we're more interested in young guys going to Idea Day than they are learning from the Bible or learning from the men of God who brought them up in the words, those sound words, we're in, we're in big trouble, and we're beginning to see that. And so I do think that there is, to your point, personal responsibility on both sides. Timothy has a responsibility to Paul. But Paul cannot shirk his responsibility to invest in Timothy either, that when there's two sides that have a, a, a mutual goal in mind and a mutual love for God, I, I think it's actually a pretty easy thing to have uh, a very biblical and healthy mentoring relationship. Absolutely, and exactly to that point, at the end of the day, we, yes, uh, we're, we're both members of your pastor of a Baptist church. I'm evangelist out of a Baptist church. and But uh, the vast majority of Baptists that I know and associate with would also consider themselves biblicists first. Right. They're, they're Baptists because of the Bible. And to that point, that that is our sole authority, final authority. And it should be in all matters of faith and practice, including how we pass on to the next generation. Um, this is not some situation that we can afford. And just looking at the state of the world, we can't afford to rely on man's philosophies. Uh, you can look at how rapidly the world is, is, is approaching um, evil being already is evil being uh, celebrated and, and things of that nature. And what we need as men, as churches, as Christians, uh, we need men that will be uh, biblicists and, and return to some of those things, including when it comes to mentorship. I, I don't, th I don't think that anything we talk about in this podcast or any of the conferences that we host or any of these endeavors truly is a new thing. That's not a desire. We're just trying to relight a flame in a forge that has been burning for thousands of years, and uh, we get our instructions straight from the Bible. Correct. Now, you know, to that point, you know, I agree with Brother Micah and for those listening, this is not a reinvention of the wheel here. We're not, you know, we're not trying to, you know, dig up some sort of new truth and, and propagate it. Rather, we're, we're just trying to 
do what has always been traditionally done in ministry throughout the pages of Scripture, the pattern of Jesus Christ's ministry, and throughout fundamentalism as we grew up with it and knew it. We just can't let these things slip, as the Bible says. So let me ask you this, Brother Micah. When it comes to the men that invested in you and those that you would consider uh, your mentors, what would you say were a couple of um, maybe key factors that drew you to those men uh, to, to have a desire for them to mentor you? Because I do think that... Um, you know, nothing's, we're not going to do anything in life unless we really desire to do it. Um, you know, Proverbs talks about through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. If you don't have a desire to, to read and study the Bible, you're not going to know the Bible. If you don't have a desire to brush your teeth and you follow up with that desire, you know, a lot of times parents enforce those um, behaviors so that it creates a desire. So when it comes to mentorship, there has to be desire on both sides for this to work. But what was it specifically or maybe some key attributes that drew you to the men that you kind of gave permission to mentor you? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. While you were talking, uh, I was thinking I was thinking of that verse and you quoted, you know, through desire, man having to himself, seeketh and intermeddle with all wisdom. And so from my side, it was something I desired. And so I was willing to do the work to go find uh, these people. But why or how these men came, I think, number one, I don't want to downplay the role of God, of the Holy Spirit Correct. in this and how he puts, how he puts people together. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to, sometimes trying to manufacture mentors that are not supposed to be the one for us. Um, and, and also I would counsel that you, you don't, in multitude of counsel, counselors, there's wisdom, absolutely. Um, I'm not in, in not advising people to have, you know, three dozen uh, people that they call every decision. What color tie should I wear for church? Right. You know, I don't need to call my mentor about that, nor do you need to call a dozen more. Um, but at the same time, I would say one of the key factors that just springs to mind is the word balance. I think it's an under... Uh, indexed uh, concept and underutilized, um, not philosophy, it's just part of biblical living, really. Um, I, I've One of the best ways I've heard it put about balance is it doesn't matter what you are out of balance on. You are out of balance. Right. If It doesn't matter what you choose. I, I've heard a story of a man that split his own church, a pastor split his own church, because the people in his church did not love the deaf community, the hard of hearing community enough. So he split his church off and went and started a, a deaf community church. Wow. Okay. I, I just, just by way of illustration. And th then you get into the, the, the silly ones we all hear about someone splitting a church over the color of the carpet. And all of them would say, I can't believe someone would be so out of balance that they would do that. Well, here's the thing, friend. I don't care what you're out of balance on. You can be out of balance on seemingly good things, but if you put a higher priority on it than God does, then you are out of balance. Right. And so to that point, the men that have been instrumental in influencing me have been men of balance, um, men of grace and truth, men that are not afraid to absolutely stand in the gap and to do battle as necessary. But in the aftermath of the battle, they are phenomenal medics. And they do a great job of binding wounds as well. 
And so those are the type of men that I want to surround myself with. Right. I am all about charging into the gap and into the breach and, uh, you know, charging the light brigade, you know, guns on the left and the right and the center of us. And, you know, we're going to, we're all going to die. And here, here we go. I'm for it. That's great. But at the same time, um, we're on, you know, battlefield brother, not a recreation room, but battles have lulls to them. And men that are constantly screaming are seem out of, appear to be out of balance. But on the other end of the spectrum, I'm not looking for men that are constantly in the rear ranks. I'm not looking for guys that never seem to get blood on their uniform. Uh, and so I would say balance would be absolutely the first thing that just comes to mind in answer to that question. Well, and I think that that's a very biblical concept, right? So Jesus is kind of the perfect example of all things in our Christian life. But in particular, the idea of mentorship, that's what his ministry essentially was, was he gathered to himself 12 men and essentially modeled and taught them the ministry and doctrine so that when he left, um, you know, he said, you know, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And Jesus is described exactly that way, full of grace and truth. And uh, certainly he had men that were probably a little bit more on the grace side in his uh, a group of 12, and he, we know that he had several that definitely majored in the areas of truth more than they did grace or mercy, and he showed them the balance of both of those things. So I do agree that balance can draw you to that. Another thing that I would just add, and, and people that I've kind of drawn myself to were people who were available. Mm. There, there are some people where you kind of, you, you say, man, that's somebody I'd like to be like, or you almost... You know, I don't like to use the word idolize, but it's somebody that you look up to or somebody that you think of very fondly. But there's such a great gulf fixed, if you would, between you and that person. And there's so many uh, sometimes layers of protection and bureaucracy almost between you and that person that right. it's impossible for you to actually have any sort of a meaningful relationship. And one of the things You're I just personally right. found to that point is that you tend to be close to the people that you can get close to. Mm. Mm. And and if there's You're exactly right. if if someone's not going to make themselves available, or they're they're going to kind of just uh, I'll give you half a second after church, and I'm like that's just not somebody you can you can let develop you because there's no way you can have a mentor without time being involved, and it has to be somebody who's available and and who you know will take the time with you. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty shallow relationship. You're right. And by way of personal illustration, I'll bring it down to where the rubber meets the road because these are the types of illustrations that help me. Hopefully, they're helpful to the listener as well. I, I've had this happen to me, and so I, I have a sense for how it feels. Uh, I was at a conference not long ago, and it, the way it transpired, I know, was not intentional. It was completely just, uh, you know, not seeing the person and whatnot. It would make more sense as I describe it. You know, conference, lots, lots of folks around. It was during meal time and all that type of stuff. And there's older man of God, uh, well seasoned, many years a pastor, and a young man. And he was the conference was coming to a close. The young man was going to have to leave a little bit early before the last service. And I knew just by the by his body language, he was wanting to talk to that man and just he'd just say his goodbyes. You right. just say, hey, you know, basically just give honor words to do this man invested in me. Want to say goodbye? And the older man was he was talking to another man and he turned kind of the opposite direction because someone else caught his eye 
he was not turning away from the young man. He, it, he physically was, but he wasn't doing it on purpose. I, I know, number one, I know the man. And number two, I, I, I was at a perfect viewpoint, a perspective of it. The young man just never caught his eye. He was not, he just wasn't standing. He was probably a few degrees outside of his vision. The young, the older man turned, this other man approached him. They began talking and began to exit out the, one of the doors there. And I saw just a hint of deflation right. on the young man's face. Cause he, he had to go, his ride was leaving. He had to get out of there and he didn't have time. And, and he didn't want to be that guy that butted into two, you know, men of God's conversation and say, Hey pastor, I just really want to shake your hand. Cause I, I'm so important. I need to talk to you. Cause like, what, what, it was not the spirit whatsoever. And so he just turned, went out another door, but I know what he wanted to do. And I've, I've had that happen to me. Right. And again, not, not, not purposeful or anything like that, but what my point being for any, any older man, and really, to me, I just tuck that away. There, there's, there's never going to be a time in my life where I feel worthy of anyone feeling the need to come up and say goodbye to me. I, I, at least I hope I'm, I'm never so prideful. I feel like I have to have that. And so someone has to come kiss the ring. But I did tuck it away that there will be a time, God willing, and the church don't rise, that I'll be 40, 50, 60 years old. And there will be some people that, like to God's glory, maybe I've invested in, that will want to come. And just say, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know when I'll see you again. I just want to say goodbye, right. and just to be on a little bit of a lookout for that opportunity. It, 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 it would have been a twenty-second encounter, and that's all. But knowing exactly how that young man felt, because I've had it happen to me sometimes. You know, as a young college student, you know, you want to go talk to that big conference speaker and just say, hey, sir, I just want to say, I'm Michael McCurry. Thank you so much for that message. That's right. all you wanted, but you don't get the opportunity because they're hustled off to the meal time, the special meal, and all that kind of stuff. So just that point, exactly to your point, though, I would counsel all of us. I mean, youth pastors, you got kids and you're, you're 25 years old and you're entrusted with these, you know, 13 to 18 year olds. Be, look for those little opportunities. Sometimes it's the big ones, too, but it, it's those little opportunities that sometimes mean the most. So exactly to your point, uh, would, availability is so, so huge. There's a verse of scripture when you mentioned that that, that just came to my mind. In the, in the end of the book of Acts, chapter number 20, um, the Apostle Paul is leaving people that he's influenced. And the Bible says, when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them. They wept sore. They fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And then it says this, mm-hmm. and they accompanied him unto the ship. Mm-hmm. Just, just kind of that last final walk with him you know it it, i've been there a couple times with men that i've loved and that have invested in me where you don't you know look we we all have busy lives and god's entrusted us and found us faithful and has put us into the ministry and with that comes the the burden of responsibility and you know i remember you know my pastor brother reed when i left and i became the pastor here the first time i had come back we were we were talking and and it was like it was difficult to leave again <laughs> the first time I went right. back and visited after spending years there with him. And we had such a, we have such a, a close relationship and, and we were talking and I just said, yeah, I got to get back. And he said, you know, I, I can, I know that you're a pastor because you don't have a boss and yet you say, and you don't have anything to do, but you say, I have to get back <laughs> because that's, that's the, how a pastor's heart works. And I remember we just kind of we just kind of stood there and just we just kind of hemmed and hawed back and forth for a few minutes. But it was kind of that, 
you know, he just kind of like walked me to my car. It was like that. Just you accompany him to the ship. You, you, right. you, you fall on your neck and, you know, on their neck and just say, I love you. I'm so thankful. And until the next time, I mean, you don't get to see each other very often. And you do have to take advantage of those opportunities. And to your point about you have to be aware, you know, even in the, you know, as a younger man and being in the ministry, God begins to slowly, I think, broaden your scope of ministry and your level of influence as you have the, the humility and the maturity to handle that. And as he as he does that, you 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 have like Jesus was walking through a crowd, and nobody else really noticed this very short man of stature up in a tree, except for the Lord. And I do think that there's a tendency to not view the 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 little people, so to speak, that are in the trees or that are on the peripheral of maybe our ministry. But the Lord gives a really good example there. I think of of keeping very close tabs on all of those who were maybe on the outskirts and finding a way to still include them in. And, you know, maybe right. maybe it's a teen camp that you're preaching or, you know, something like that. And there's a kid who maybe makes a decision at an altar and you don't even really know it. And then he, he says, hey, you know, your message meant a lot, you know, or would you, you know, sign my Bible, which I know every, you know, man of God just loves doing and uh, or whatever it may be, you know, and or they, you know, they get in this generation, they, they follow you on Facebook or, you know, on, you know, whatever platform you're on. That's that's just a level of influence that God's given you for a reason. And you do have to steward that to the best of your ability. And a, 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 I love you in other words, do um, I recall a big name preacher um, that in this day and age, he's been he's been preaching evangelism for 30 something years and. He heard that I had taken the ministry that Paul Levine had started. And those who don't know, Paul Levine started in the cold heart evangelism when he was in his late teens and, and served God faithfully for over 60 years. Started the ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated and just phenomenal Christian. And it, it's amazing the legacy God gave him. But so Paul Levine preached every teen week, from what I understand, for like 40 years straight at Bill Rice Ranch. And so he was the you know big man on campus. So he 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 was he was there. He was gonna you know he was gonna bring the, bring the boom and just do a great job. And so he's there towards the end of his life. He passed away in '96, and he probably stopped preaching there maybe in uh, late '80s, early '90s, somewhere around there with some of his last years. But one of his last years, this man who's now been in, in the ministry for like 30 years, uh, who was a young man, just untested, unproven, no one knew him. He was there for some reason or another. Uh, well, I don't think he was a camper. He was just there, and uh, he just wanted to say hello to Paul Levine. And so uh, he walks up to him, catches his eye, and uh, Paul Levine says, "Oh, oh, hey!" He calls him by his name and says, "Come, come here, come here. I, I, I know you. You, you are so and so. Come here, sit down by me." Paul Levine's sitting on the front pew. I think some young people are having him come up and sign their Bible, actually. Um, and he, he says, sit, "Sit down right here. As soon as I'm done here, I want to talk to you." And finishes signing his Bibles. And then turns to him and gives him his full attention, asking pointed and, and personal questions, meaning he knew about this young man somehow, had done a little bit of research, knew he was going to be there, and then was asking him questions about sermon preparation. I mean, Paul Levine, he had been preaching for 50 years at this point, asking him questions, making him feel valuable. And he he said, this, this, this now uh, elder man of God said, I can't tell you what it meant to me mm-hmm. to have Paul Levine when I, when I was nobody to treat me like that and to give me his time for that 15 minute span, what that meant to me. 
And, uh, and I, I believe, I, I'm firmly convinced that one of the reasons Bible Tracks Incorporated continues today is because God just blessing the legacy of Paul Levine. No, there's no doubt about that. And, and I, I certainly think this is, the, you know, to kind of sum up here and wrap up, that this is this is the reason why we felt it necessary to you know at least kind of rekindle as you'd say the flames of this thought process and this idea so that it becomes commonplace and it doesn't become the outlier anymore in ministry or really not even necessarily specifically to ministry but within just the four walls of the church and even in the home that there's a, a mentoring attitude uh, between the older and the younger brother Micah, I appreciate you coming on. We look forward to you making some content for us and record some podcast videos. And of course, as we look towards future conferences and meetups and whatnot, we'll have you on more often and, and all that. But we want to thank you for coming on today. And Lord willing, we'll be able to talk again soon and discuss a couple other aspects about mentorship that have been important and helpful to us. So we certainly appreciate your time. Excellent. Looking forward to talking to you again soon, Harris. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to this production of the Forge Ministry Podcast. You can continue the conversation and stay up to date with new releases and conferences by visiting forgeministry.com. In addition, you can receive text alerts by texting the word FORGE, that's F-O-R-G-E, the word FORGE to this phone number, 309-316-7200. Join us next time on the Forge Ministry Podcast.